לשידור ישיר ממחנה רמה בברקשיירס. backtrack for a second we have a lot of liturgical offerings we have Hallel the songs of praise lots of melodies we have Hoshanot the uh, circuits around the synagogue with the Lulav and Etrog we got uh, stuff coming up so we're we're smack in the middle of the holiday and leading up to what we have is Shabbat Chol Hamoid so here's the low-hanging fruit what does the liturgical calendar serve up to us on Shabbat Cholamoyed? And here you have two choices. Drum roll. Drum roll. All right. Liturgical reading, par excellence, the book of Kohelet, the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, just to recap for everyone, we know that, that the, the five books, the, the five scrolls are associated with different holidays. Uh, and, and we can go through them, but, but we'll, we'll leave that for your own personal study. Kohelet, Sukkot. So I want to ask first the question, why? Why do we get this book now? Um, and, and is there something about the tone of this book that may be conducive to autumnal thinking? Now, we are in nor- North America, so we have... Uh, an autumn, we're in the northern part of North America, but not the really northern, northern. I mean, I checked the foliage. We leave that for the Canadians. I checked the, the foliage calendar, the foliage, uh, whatever, there's a chart on, on, you know, where the leaves are turning. So we're almost at peak leaves. We've got one or two weeks for, I mean, you've been to the Hudson Valley during peak season. It's, it's spellbinding. It's absolutely breathtaking. It's really, I mean, to all of our listeners who are uh, viewers, if you have the opportunity to drive up uh, to the Adirondacks or the Catskills or uh, an area that is filled with um, trees, uh, you will be spellbound. It's, it's dazzling. Um, but autumn makes us feel a certain way about life in general. So I'm going to ask, Jeremy, can you give me... You the know, I, I have to say about that, the... The wonderful opening passage to Moby Dick, call me Ishmael, and he, t- he talks about it and he says, whenever I find myself growing grim about the mouth, whenever it is a damp, drizzly November in my soul, whenever I find myself involuntarily pausing, pausing before coffin warehouses and bringing up the rear of every funeral I meet, 
This is like the damp, drizzly November of my soul. Sukkot is like rejoicing, Zman Simchatenu, and we think at some level we think of the tremendous, uh, you know, bounty, the autumn bounty that that a farmer in ancient Eretz Yisrael might have experienced. But for for us North Americans and our Northeast North Americans, that that Herman Melville, uh, Massachusetts, and New York guys, you know, the damp, drizzly November in my soul. Here I am in, in New York and it's raining and you totally get the Kohelet is speaking to the damp, drizzly November in your soul. It's, it's such an amazing book. So we have to add, though, that the season of the soul operates in two different ways. It, it's in the calendar year, as you pointed out, it's the time when the leaves are falling, but also it is if I might say an older man's approach to life, perhaps. So Jewish tradition ascribes three books to Melch Shlomo, to King Solomon, Shira Shirim, love poetry written in his youth, Mishlei, the voice of seasoned wisdom as a middle-aged man, and Kohelet, perhaps a voice of despair or cynicism, even hopelessness as an old man. And I think that as I get older, um, and I think I'm still older than the two of you, that, For a little while, I, you're still older, yeah. that I find, you know, Kohela resonates in a certain way that it didn't when perhaps when I was younger. Well, it still is, it's a popular book because it, it seems like someone wrote it today. Could you just give us your interpretation of the first verse? So, Hevel Havalim, Hakol Hevel, I never as good as Jeremy or you as putting verses, but the idea. Utter futility in the JPS translation. Right. So I think that it's sometimes translated as vanity of vanities, but what occurs to me is that the Hevel that we meet first is Abel, the brother of Cain. And Hevel, in that sense, means evanescent or fleeting. You know, Abel doesn't live long enough really to get a personality. Um, he's like a wisp, he disappears in a moment. And I think that what Kohelet is saying and it's spoken like an older man, that he's at the end of his life and there's nothing permanent. Everything slips away. The seasons come and go, but I am going to go. I am not going to come back. And there's a sharp distinction between nature, the heaven and the earth that is forever in the biblical idiom, and me, who is not forever, and I'm plagued by what the meaning of my own life is as it comes to an end. Is he is he just depressed, or or is he being, you know, offering wisdom? I mean, there is, you know, and we'll go into another uh, verse that that speaks to loathing life, but maybe there is something that, you know, a, a person can reflect on life in many many ways. I'm wondering, you know, if 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 this person came to me and said, oh, there's nothing, it's nothing to live for. There's nothing. It's all futile. It's all it all evaporates, and, and to a certain extent, I, I you, we'd have to agree with that person because everything that Koala says is is true. Nothing remains from uh, of us after our life, except for you know the people we leave behind, except for relationships, except for our value, and you know quite uh, a lot of substantial things remain, but our physical beings. Do not remain. The question, you know, like you said, you know, obviously correctly. First of all, I, 
I do uh, like this book. I like it somewhat. It's, it's funny, Barry, you said that speaking to you more as an older person. Uh, and I, of course, as you correctly said, there is that age typology of Solomon's different compositions. Although I feel this one can also be, you know, the anguished teenager. This stinks. Everything's so stupid. Nothing matters. Um, and I think when I was younger, actually, I resonated to it in a different way. And I, at this, at least at this stage of my life, feel a little more alienated from from his despair. But um, the question is, all those true things that you said, Kohala, all those true things, that there is no necessary justice, that wise people don't end up better than poor people, than foolish people, and people, you know, who work very hard to accumulate, you know, material wealth can't necessarily retain it. Um, and they can't pass it on. Sometimes they pass it on to their children. Sometimes their children are just goofballs and they blow it. And all those things are true. Now, what do you do with it? Co what do you do with that fact? What's your next step? Kohelet, um, you know, varies, right? He varies. And sometimes he says, so I hate life. And sometimes he says, eh, listen, given all the unfairness, let's try to have a little bit of, you know, whatever joy we can muster. Uh, even though we, you know, we know that there's a lot of unfairness. That's it. I, I just want to quote the verse because it stings so bad. It hurts so bad, you know, especially since, you know, we've made such a case for choosing life. You know, the Torah at the end, as we have said many times, is all about And so I loathed life, verse 217. For I was distressed by all that goes on under the sun, because everything is futile and pursuit of wind. So too, I loathed all the wealth that I was gaining under the sun, for I shall leave it to the man who will succeed me. And who knows whether he will be wise or foolish, and he will control all the wealth that I gain by toil and wisdom under the sun. That too is futile. And so I came to view with despair all the gains that I made under the sun. So that that's... That's really hard. I, you, you can't just uh, um, band-aid that. You can't just. Yeah, I think you can't. I think you have to dress it up with a French accent and an existential posture. That's so cool. I think what he's saying is that the reward is not given; it's earned. We spend a fair amount of our life thinking we're going to find meaning, as if that is a place we're going to get to, but that's not how life meaning works. Life meaning comes from within, not from without. And I think what he's saying is that we've got it all wrong. All the things that we use to measure life don't actually give it meaning. So, of course, they don't have the value we assign to them. But what I like is the line near the end, because the call to action here is to write a book, even though it's very difficult. And as we know, as Kohela reminds us, the writing of books is hard, but we have to assume, I think, at the end, Kohel is going to sit down and write a book. And that book is going to be permanent. Is that the only thing that, that's, that he can leave us is the book? I mean, I... Well, we should be remembered in 2,500 years, Elliot, like Kohel. Yeah, I, I suppose, you're right. <laughs> well, let's, let's, can we, let's do some greatest hits of the book. Well, you know, wait, uh, if I can just say one thing about this. Um, it is a feature of this book that... You know, um, Kohelet is like, you know, he, he's a this 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 thing is called wisdom literature, and Mishle and the, the Book of Proverbs and some of and Tehillim, some of the Book of Psalms, they have a certain kind of way of talking about 
And one of the things that they do is like they make these little aphorisms, and that's what Mishle is mostly about, these little one-liners, philosophical one-liners. Um, and Kohelet loves to, you know, to tweak them. They get conventional one and turn it upside down and be snarky about it, you know, like, you know, better is a is a is a living dog than a dead lion and stuff like that. Um and he and he's not like a single consistent message, right? So I, I do think that there are both times when he says, you know, I'll just I'll just come out to the, the, the tail end of chapter three and the beginning of chapter four. Uh, everybody's gonna die. The fate of the human human and the fate of the beast, they have one and the same everyone's gonna die. And there's you know uh uh there's no difference human life or animal life, it's all a waste of time. Everyone's going the same place. It's from the earth. It comes back to the earth, the Genesis reference. How do you know that, you know, taking some sort of image of, uh, of life after death, how do you know that human life endures and animal life just, just goes into the earth? And so then what's his conclusion? So enjoy what you can. It's 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 futile. It's, it doesn't amount to a whole lot, but at least you can squeeze a little joy out of this life. That's what your portion is. Um, and then he goes on and that's the next thing, the beginning of chapter four. And then I thought about it some more, and I realized the tears of the oppressed with none to comfort them and people who are oppressing them and, none, and nobody comforts them. And I thought the best people are the ones who are already dead because better than the people who are living now because the people who are living now, they're just going to die and they're just going to be dead like the people who are already dead. And the best people are ever is the ones who've never been born at all. Like, you know, the guy who said, so, so, so try to have a little joy then says, you know what's really good? Never being born. That's what's really good. So he's he is depressed. <laughs> well, we we know that's an oxymoron because you have to be alive to say it's better not to have Look, been born. I, we're 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 taking that with with humor. I mean, I I don't know if that's the proper way to read this. You know, I, I think he wants to be taken uh, deadly seriously. But but we're in this conversation where where we have laughter and joy. You know, with with regard because. You know, at, at some point, that that is wisdom, too. There is a certain reality to that. People do suffer in life. People go through terrible, terrible suffering and anguish and and sometimes reach that conclusion, which is better, better not. Better, you know, I, I'm better off not having gone through this. And, and, you know, occasionally I say to people, you know, you may not understand it now. It may not be revealed to you, but, but there is wisdom in, in the terrible excruciating period that you're in there it may not be disclosed to you i mean that may not give someone comfort um but but it, it is an opening of some sort then of course i go dark humor and say you think you had a bet <laughs> <laughs> but people i think overwhelmingly cling to life as bad as it gets for most of us we want to wake up the next day and kohala i think allows us to do that and well, i wanted to pick up on something jeremy said when he mentioned Ruach Ben Adam, and he mentioned the reference to uh, to Breshit, where man comes from dust and returns to dust, because in Breshit, the Ruach Ben Adam is actually Ruach Elohim. The spirit comes from God. That's what animates the first man, as God breathes into him. And so we could call it the spirit or the breath of man, 
but it really belongs to God. And I think that's why we we're talking before the show that maybe the last line is not as much of an attack on as we sometimes think, but is a legitimate conclusion to someone who has wrestled and now has put aside the struggle, and at least in my image, to go write his book, but he's reached a period of resolution. Okay, Greatest Hits, Chapter 3. There's a well, time greatest for the birds. A time for it, it actually is. A, it, this one's actually a hit. There's <laughs> more than one person. You know, I mean, so I think that's a great contribution to popular culture because they, they were able to popularize this uh, part of the Bible, you know, to everything, turn, turn, it's, you know. Uh, and um, I, I want to say if there's one piece of the Bible that everybody should know, it's this. Should, I mean, you know, I mean, we, we do have our greatest hits of the Bible, you know, show, okay. But... Um, I get more mileage out of this personally and professionally and as a Jew than almost any other passage in the Torah. I'm not sure that, that this is my personal passage. I mean, everyone has psukosh al-chayim, you know, a, a, a verse of their lives. I'm, I'm not sure I would go that far, but but it's it's in the Hall of Fame. Totally. Well, what's that. interesting, Elliot, is I think for us, you know, who grew up after the 60s, it's in the Hall of Fame because we can't separate the song from the words on the page. I, it's such and a... So, it's I, such I think, no, and what, what I'd like to suggest is that it presents us with a singable text. And we talked a few weeks ago about how powerful music was. And sometimes music drives meaning in a way that words on a page cannot. So well, I, I love the fact, Barry, Barry, the fact that though I don't actually happen to love that the the bird song or Pete Seeger song or whatever it is, but uh, what you said is a thousand percent correct about poetry, about music, and and presumably you know most of the Tehillim, you know Ashminit, you know whatever, Aliasor, Navel, they were musical as well, and the, the musicality of this, whether it has an actual musical instrument accompanying it or not. You know, eight spode, the eight record, you know, eight lachashot, eight daber, eight leded, eight lamot. It's magnificent rhythm. And it is like there is real wisdom in, you know what, in your life, there's going to be birth, there's going to be death, there's going to be silence, there's going to be noise, there's going to be dancing, and there's going to be crying. And, and even, you know, for Jews in the 20, 20th and 21st century, what do I hear in addition to Roger McGuinn? Um, uh, you know, I hear that deep gravelly voice of Yitzhak Rabin in, in, in 1993 saying, uh, you know, signing signing the agreement with Yasser Arafat at the White House saying there's a time for war and a time for peace. You know, he's, he as Arafat was too. I mean, he, Rabin is our warrior and Arafat was our enemy, but... Um, a warrior being able to say something about peace in this deep resonant passage is just amazing. Right. And, and of course what it does is it frames life and, 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 and tells another message of Kohelet that, that things are not going to stay the same for your whole life. You're going to go through periods in your life that are, that are very difficult. You're going to go through periods that are very um, exulting and, and full of elation um, and, and wisdom is the ability to see that you may not necessarily 
perceive the transitions from one to the other. The transitions may be so abrupt, you know, they could happen in the blink of an eye. Your whole fortune could change in the blink of an eye. We, we all, of course, know tragic situations where, where a per, you know, people, people live their lives and, and tragic things happen to them either through, through evil, human evil, or, or just great misfortune. Um, and then they're thrust into, into despair, but being able to be reminded that you may not necessarily live out your whole life this way. There may be some, you may not be able to see it right now, but there is light for you somewhere. Well, what I would add, Elliot, is that I think what sometimes accounts for the despair in those situations is that the person going through them thinks that he or she is being singled out. Yeah. And what Kohela reminds us is that you're not being singled out. This is part of life. This is, it's a package deal, and there are great things, and there are also terrible things. And hopefully we're able to manage the terrible things. But most of the time, the terrible things are not because we did something wrong. It's because something wrong happened to us. No, it's, it's very and that could be a source of comfort. Something, Something... Painful and even not necessarily wrong. I mean, there's the tragic quality. Well said. Well you know, said. you can say, can we say, um, you know, we say about greatest hits. I really love before the very, 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 very end of Kohelet, which, in my opinion, slightly is a is a kind. I think it's probably a, a tack on somebody put a, a little pious ending on the on the cynicism or the harshness of the book. But in chapter twelve, there's this incredibly lovely in the end of traffic shabbat and there's a they really expound this as the as a description of old age in the talmud but just in chapter 12 itself there's this incredibly poetic um description about getting old and dying so so he says Remember your creator when you're young. Or remember your maybe your 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 full createdness when you're young. Uh, before the days of sorrow come and those arrive, those years arrive of which you will say, "I have no pleasure in them." Before sun and light and moon and stars grow dark, before the clouds come back after the rain, when the guards of the house become shaky and people of valor are bent over, and the maids grind, the maids that grind grow few, the ladies that peer through the windows grow dim. Nobody's flirting with you. Nobody's Nobody uh, wants to see you anymore, and the doors to the street are shut, and the noise of the handmill grows faint, and the song of the bird grows feeble, and the strains of music die down, and one is afraid to walk on the road. Though the almond tree may blossom, the grasshopper is burdened, whatever that means, but a person sets out for their eternal home, and mourners walk around the street before the silver cord snaps, before the golden bowl crashes, before the jar is shattered at the spring and the jug is smashed at the well and the dust returns to the ground as it was and the life breath returns to God who gave it. There, there you really have, Barry, that reshit. You know, you got yeah. the, the gift of the life breath, but like this gift, you're going to have to give it back someday. I just think that that chapter 12 to me is like, just stand up and applaud on this one. It's so full of despair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Look, it's it's. You want to cut Kriya for that one, or do you want to do you want to applaud? I, I mean, I, I, as a as a piece of art, I want to applaud. Of course, as a as a uh, you know as a, a 
So okay. I think that when sometimes when we give voice to our greatest fears, it allows us to get a handle on it. And that's what I see happening with Kohala. You know, we I think we mentioned last week that Sukkot in the agricultural calendar is a time of great anxiety because once the harvest is in, you're forced to think about the coming year. And the circumstances of Earth's Israel is you kind of know what the coming year is going to be like before you plant because most of the rain should have fallen already. Right. And if it hasn't, it's going to be a tough year. And so you worry. And you have to take a step back and say, this is my life at this moment. I have to rejoice. So go back to the first question I had, which is, why Sukkot? Why? And, and, and maybe, I, I mean, if I can try this, I've been thinking about the whole theme of, you know, boundaries and zones. I, I give a whole sheet about this in my shul. And that the Sukkah itself um, is a very unique kind of zone. Uh, it's it's a public-private zone, it's a buffer zone, it's a heaven-earth zone, um, it's a temporary uh, zone, it's not permanent, it's, it has all of that feeling about it. Um, so maybe what we're, we're saying with this book is we're entering a zone in which we are recognizing, life is fleeting, we're recognizing that you, you, there are pursuits in life, that we all need to make that sometimes they they can be quite meaningless um and that you know as as it's a enjoy your life with the one you love may your clothes be always laundered always wear beautiful things you know enjoy your life i mean there's there's a lot of life affirmation in this when we recognize that that you know the the the, the cycle of nature is changing the leaves are falling off the tree here in in north america that that it's getting a little fragile. It's getting a little cooler. I mean, it's we happen to be uh, doing this on a, a day that's not very pleasant, um, and and there's a lot of crushing morosity. <laughs> so you know, Northrop Fry wrote a lot about the symbolism of the seasons, and I think it, it does us well to think for a moment the difference between the autumn and the winter. The winter is often much colder. And but the difference between autumn and winter is that winter begins with the day getting longer, yeah. right? The winter solstice is the shortest day, so the next day it's already getting brighter, and autumn ends with the darkest day. Yeah. So that's what we're experiencing. We go out of our house, we get out of our comfort zone, and we sit in the sukkah and brood. I had a professor who liked to compare. The German and English Protestants with the Southern Mediterranean, the Southern European Catholics, they would go to church in the morning, and then go to the beach in the afternoon. They could sin in the morning, you know. They could commit their sins, whatever they might be, and make peace with it. But in England and Germany, where the weather was often dark and gloomy, these guys would sit in their cold houses and brood, and that's how you got John Calvin, among others, because there is not a lot of joy. And Sukkot tries, in a sense, to replicate it, but to give us some hope. And I think the hope, ironically, comes in the Ushpizin, because the one person we might have expected that's not there is Shlomo. Uh, right? We stop with David. Shlomo was not. Do you think, do you think by the way, I mean, um, that what you just said about, you know, the, the Southern and Northern Europeans, like, 
is there some Ashkenazi Sephardi thing going on here? Like because because this religion obviously is a is a you know an Eretz Yisrael origin, and it's got the 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 climate of you know of, of the Holy Land, and like are the Lithuanians the way they are because it's Lithuania? Like uh, I think there's something to be said. I mean, the whole idea you know of the Shabbos boy comes from living in a place where it's too cold not to have heat. Yeah. Right. And you know. They didn't have that in, in the Mediterranean, as far as I could tell. I don't know if I said this to you when we were talking about Rosh Hashanah Kippur, but there was a, 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 he actually wasn't such a muscular, he was a very traditional guy, but Shlomo Yudha Rappaport, known as Sheer, made the observation that Ashkenazi PU team, mostly coming from ancient Eretz Yisrael, are Am Yisrael PU team, or, or the, the Tosafists, who like the, the Crusader Chronicles, they're about Am Yisrael, and the Sephardi PU team, are like about the individual soul of Gabi Roll and Halevi and Ibn Ezra and stuff. And Shear said that the uh, that that there's like just a very different, you know, uh, the Ashkenazi Pew team, the Ashkenazi synagogue poems express something about the national identity, the national journey, the national suffering, but don't really, you know, speak of the, the individual person's experience. Whereas the Sephardi thing is not really about, I mean, it's about Galut. It can often be about exile and suffering, but it's really more about the longing and fear and joy and, you know, uh, enlightenment and and depression about the individual speaker. I thought that was amazing. That is very insightful. Can we can we spend a few minutes to talk about um, simplest Torah? <laughs> Something happy. Where's the joy in that? There's the joy. I know. So we, we only have a couple of minutes left. So the liturgical calendar, this is Shabbos Cholamoid coming up. And so we're going to read Kohelet and, and, and all that. Then we got Shmini Atzeret. And then um, with, with, with all of its liturgical heft to it, the prayer for rain, which, as you mentioned, Jeremy, that we're, we're, we're tied into the cycle of nature, uh, the, climatic, the climate cycle in, in the land of Israel. And, and the unique diaspora manifestation of the conclusion of this which is the second day of Shemini Atzeret in Pastoria. In Israel, they, 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 they layer everything on top of each other. Shemini Atzeret and Simchatora one day. It makes it very complicated when you go from Yisker to Hakafot in Israel. Um, and of course, Yisker being... Well, it's uh, like Yom HaZikaron to Yom HaZikaron, right. only in the 10 minutes instead exactly. of a few hours. We, all, we know that, that these things are late additions in Judaism. The whole Simchatora festival um, doesn't really arise till, till really late. In, in Jewish Jewish tradition, I'm, I'm thinking like even in the Renaissance period or or, or something. Yeah, I think earlier. I think earlier. the 1300s, something like that. Okay, so I, you know, I'm as I said, I've been thinking about boundaries and zones, and and you know what, what I can't get over, and, and it's just such a um, uplifting time every every time we experience this is the end and the beginning, that we reach the end of Torah through the. The, the chanting of the final verses of Zokra Habracha, we have our rituals uh, for that in the synagogue, children, people, everybody getting a Leo. Um, and then we start over again. No, we do more than that. There's right. a kind of geometric genius here because Kohelet strikes many of us as a Greek book, right? And there's belief that it was influenced by Hellenism. And in Greek mythology, the central symbol is the circle, the circle of life. Things come back to where they were. The people come and go, but everything returns to its place. But the Jewish symbol is the spiral. You don't come back, you're at the same vantage point, but you're looking from a different place. 
So we do go back to Breshit, but we also continue with Yehoshua. Yes. Because we have to go in both directions. We can't just go in one. We can't give up the cycle of the Torah, but we also can't give up the unilinear nature of history. So, so in a way, we reach a, a kind of fork in the road because the, you know, the, the, the synagogue is, is directing us in both ways. It's simultaneously, basically. Yes. You know, go, go forward to Joshua. But we don't read, we don't have the, the book of Joshua as a, as a cycle. Right? We don't have it, the book, you know, the, the prophetic books are not coming to us as a, um, a sectioned sec, uh, reading, you know, assigned reading every week. We don't complete that on an annual basis. That's then, true, but here you can put in the plug for 929, because yes. it makes all of those books complete. Complete, you're right. You, 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 have, you have, the academic folks will tell you, you know, you shouldn't really say Pentateuch, you should say, you should say uh, Hexateuch, because... Yeah. Joshua is really like the next passage after Devarim, and, and you really should think of not the five books of Moses, but the six books of Moses and Joshua. And that's somewhat true, obviously, but it's obviously not how it came out for us. It came out that we put a seal on the five books. But also, you you know, you want to pay attention, I think, to the uh, the conclusion of Moshe's life uh, and the way it harkens back to the beginning of Breshit. And it's, it's, it's as if it's really telling us to do that. Your point about Joshua is magnificent. And it's also true, like, for example, um, Desha, uh, the word Desha appears in Ha'azinu and Genesis 1 and nowhere else. Um, the word Tohu appears in Ha'azinu and Genesis 1 and nowhere else. It's like the end of the Torah is, 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 is calling you with those little bits of vocabulary to to uh we're getting ready to go back to Breshit Aleph as well it's one of the remarkable features of jewish life I, I agree with you not in the cyclical way not in the in the in the circle way but in the spiral way look here we are we have to we have to acknowledge the fact as our time is coming to an end here that that we we've we've done it we've done a whole not, we've done another cycle of time it's, i get verklempt just thinking about it. <laughs> we get emotional it's very emotional i i, I don't know about you in the show I, it's always emotional to me when we finish the torah saying goodbye to this part of our lives never mind moshe Rabbeinu. we're saying goodbye to to look at this and we're just kind of sending it off and now you know crack it open we're opening a new time and look how, look how much we've learned look how much we've learned with each other and from each other and and from people writing in we're so you know happy about that i mean just so so it's it's with filled with blessing filled with joy i mean you know notwithstanding kohelet's darkness which we love but there's just there's just so much joy in being able to acknowledge uh this uh this turning point in our lives it's it's amazing totally amazing okay with that let's wish first of all we asked everyone to show us some love we got a lot of lovely comments last week so thank you so much keep it up show us some love we love reading your comments and uh we love discovering new people who have found us i don't know all over you know we've gotten nice comments from all over the country and, and a few other places as well so thank you very much keep on and to everyone we will see you all on the next edition which is gray sheet a gracious edition. Paxamea. Good job, Tim. See you all. Pass along, Paxamea.
מאזינים לשידור ישיר ממחנה רמה בברקשיירס. כל רמה 102.3 מרגישים קיץ באוויר. רדיו כל רמה 102.3 FM